Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Probably one of the things that's most, or not most, but one of the things that's against us is that we are creatures of habit. And we come in and we know what we do and we come in and we're used to doing it. And Wednesday nights is tough. Um, I mean, we're just human. You know, the Bible says if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's why most of us is tired right now, <laughs> because we still like to eat. So, um, but I've always said, and I really, really believe this, that when we come in here, God knows all the avenues that we've traveled to get here. And I remember, I still remember the day that Brother Boyd said something to me. I was sitting back over here. That's when Britton Braxton was small, and I was holding one of them. And Brother Boyd said, stand and leave a word of testimony. And I, as a joke, said, I'm just standing back here trying, or excuse me, sitting back here trying to see how women get anything out of the service that has children. And I really believe God somehow takes all that in consideration and somehow anoints because I believe if a woman has a child or just is involved with caring for children and comes to church and go home and think, what did I get out of that? You know, I think God in his mercy anoints them for that. And I think when we come to church as men and women just exhausted from the day and put the effort in and you come to church and you go home and thinking, you know, like your kids, when you ask them when they get off the bus, what did you learn today? <laughs> well, I won't answer that. But, you know, you're leaving church and you think, what did I get? Well, two days from now, God just might remind you what you got 
when you're leaving, you may think, I got nothing. And then two days from now, you think, God, I just allowed my spirit to soak something up. And you know, you come into his house, and because we are creatures of habit, we just go through the motions sometimes. And, and, and you know what? I almost think, you know, I can't sanction that, but I understand it. And I, I will say, like when I was raising my children, I'm, uh, I wish, or not that I wish Britt wasn't in here, but he'll just have to hear this. But I understand, in ra- I had three sons, and in raising my sons, and if I ever corrected them, if I never got no opposition, I really wouldn't know how to handle it. Because I would think something's wrong. If you told your child all the time to do something and they said, yes, yes, yes. You would say something's wrong with my child. Something's wrong with my child. So we are, we come in here and we're just, we're just tired. Maybe that's a wrong <laughs> comparison. <laughs> but what I'm saying, we are creatures of habit. We come in here and we are tired. And I think God takes that into consideration is what I'm trying to say. I may have a rough time saying it, but that's what I'm trying to say. But what I want to do, I just want to share some thoughts with you. So um, turn with me to Psalm 113, and let's read. It has nine verses. I just want to look at two passages, and we'll look at John later. But just look, let's look at this. Psalms 113, and it's basically laid out in three phases, one through three, four through six, and seven through nine. And it starts out in the first verse, it says, praise ye the Lord, and then it repeats it. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Number two, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Three, now we've heard this a lot, from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. Now, when it starts out in Psalm 113, the very first word, praise ye the Lord, that is really a command. That's not asking us to praise the Lord. That's a command. Praise ye the Lord. He's given us command, and he's repeating it three times. Let's praise the Lord, he's telling us. That is to do, praise him for his holiness, justness, goodness, mercy, and the list goes on and on. And he's telling him, God is worthy to be praised. And then he tells them, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. You know, the, this is one thing that is truly remarkable about the Lord. The Bible talks about the Lord who is and was and is to come. And we can't really understand it. All we deal with is the now. You know, it's just I always joke about it. I'm not a woman. I can't multitask. All I can deal with is right now. So the the Lord says, you know, I'm here, I've been there, and I've been there, and I dwell in it all the time. But God said, my name, my name is worthy to be praised. And the only way I know to say it was from the beginning of creation, and there will be no end to eternity. So from the very, and here's the thing, I don't know if there was a beginning But the Bible says from the very, very time forth unto the end, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And then he says from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the Lord's name is to 
to be praised. Now, if, when you read of this, when you read commentary on this, and I agree with them what they say. They say that it, I love dealing with time, and they say that it really, it deals not with time, but place. From the rising of the sun and to the going down of the same. They say, look at it like this. The sun really doesn't rise and go down. We understand that. So what they're saying is the whole earth, as far as the east is from the west, from the rising of the sun and to the going down. In other words, circle the earth. The psalmist is saying the whole earth is to praise the Lord. Now here is where I would not really disagree with them, but here is where I would add a little bit of mercy to that. They said it, it, it doesn't deal with place, but I say I believe it does in this matter because I understand what they're saying. It's not dealing with time, but God knows all I have is this, this time right now. So I believe God puts a twofold meaning to that, that the whole earth is to praise the Lord. But since God knows I live in the time, that is why I think he anointed the psalmist to write from the rising of the sun until the going down of the same. Because I can relate to that. But when he starts talking about circle the earth, I don't even like to leave the county. And he's talking about the whole earth. The whole earth is to praise the name of the Lord. And then, and then I can, uh, I can relate to that, but I can truly understand from the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. And that is everything that I know and everything that I see. And another thing, and it's truly, and someone, when everything's going good, somebody can say, you know, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Yep, everything's fine. What about when it's not going fine? We get people, me as well as you, what about this? What about this person? And the only way I know how to deal with people like that in situations, I should say not really people, but situations like that, is we have the Bible. That has got to be our benchmark. I can't say what's happened to people in the past or what's going to happen in the future. All I can say is what the Bible says. So all I can say is, the Bible says, from the rising of the sun to the going down of the sea, it don't ask, Kenneth, what's your situation? It just says that I am to praise the Lord no matter what my situation is. So that is a command for me to do. Now, I have to be man enough and spiritual enough to obey that command, and that's what I want to do. I want to discipline myself to do that. Now, number four. That one through three was the command to do this. Okay, now four through six. This talks about the Lord in the heavens. The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the earth, to, uh, to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. Now, he takes in who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven 
and in the earth. To me, I don't think I'm stretching here to say God himself was saying that he would take and not only care about what was in heaven, but care about what was on earth, humbleth himself to go to the death, even the death of the cross. So he took and made of himself of no reputation, the Bible talks about. So that's what he's talking about in this part, I believe. And now let's go to this one when he talks about helping man, seven through nine. He raises up the poor out of the dust and lifted up the needy out of the dunghill that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren woman to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Now, verse 9, they're taking a natural to make a spiritual point. The Bible even says, of course, I believe 9 is has got a hint towards Hannah, but truly I believe 9 is pointing to Israel. I believe Israel was truly the barren woman because you read in the Bible where it says Rachel and Leah has filled all of Israel with her children. So I believe the barren woman, but this is what 113 talks about. It's telling us what we must do, what he has done, what he can do. Seven through nine is taking what he can do for us and to help us literally while we're here. And now this is a command for us to do. Now, this is what we must do. Now I want to go to reality. Turn with me to John. John 6. The feeding of the 5,000. And there's a phrase in here, and just for a little title, I just want to put that nothing be lost. It's just what I'll use for a title. There's 15 verses I want to read, and I'll just do them in three, five-verse segments. Okay, John 6. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into the mountain and sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company coming to him. He saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, very, the 6 1 tells us where they're at, 2 tells us the reason they're following. And you know, you, got, you have the people. Naturally, they would be drawn to Jesus. You got all these. The Bible is, and one thing that I'm so glad about, and it points it literally, I'll point it out, but it literally points it out. The Bible is truly honest about people. And it takes, and it says that they followed him because they saw the miracles on which he did on the people that were diseased. They had someone that was healing the diseased people. And I, I don't know, I can't read the minds of the people that was there, but the Roman rule was very strict. And I believe in this passage we see at the end of it that maybe they thought they could take Jesus and make him a king. 
and maybe get get rid of some of the Roman oppression and but two literally tells us that was their reason for following the Lord because of what they saw that God was doing literally they seen with their own eyes the people the people and three says he went up into a mountain just pay attention to this he went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples now this truly times like this I don't believe they was just sitting around with straw in their teeth talking about fishing because if we understand the Bible as much as we can that God himself, Jehovah, would make him a body and come to earth, have his ministry, and only be on this planet for three and a half years, just how valuable was their time. He said in a mountain with his disciples, I can't imagine the sessions, what they must have been like. So I don't know what must have been talking about but apparently the Bible says they was in a mountain. Apparently they had the overview looking down and, you know, here comes all of them people. <laughs> They're not satisfied. They want, they want more. They need more healing. So they're coming. So Jesus knows what he's going to do. So he turns to Philip and then he sees Jesus lifts up his eyes and he saw the great company and he said them to Philip, do you know a bakery? <laughs> that we could feed this many people? Philip was close. The Bible tells us, or you could read Philip, uh, Philip was from uh, Bethesda. So, uh, Bethsaida, not Bethesda, Bethsaida. So, um, it was a town close. It was north of Israel. So, he was close. So, it's probably uh, a lot assumed that's why the Lord asked Philip, because he was close. So, the Lord asked him, said, but the thing that I noticed, it says, when shall we by bread that these may eat and then here it says the Lord knew what he was going to do but he did this to prove him you know he's dealing with a human and he's got these thousands of people I don't know how many was there the Bible says 5,000 men plus women and children you know it's a multitude coming and he you know what if the Lord looked at you and said okay we need to feed these and where shall we go to buy bread? You live around here. What do you think? And Philip, that's why I said the Bible's honest. He does just what we would do. You know, we just don't have enough money to buy bread. If there was a bakery big enough, we just don't have the money to do this. So he's telling them, you know, there's just nowhere we can do this. So in verse 6, this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him and said, 200 pennies worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves, two small fishes, but, and there he just, he's got to go human on us, but what are they among so many? Verse 10, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Now these were men, that's one thing, remember, these were men that was his disciples. 
How many miracles had they literally seen? I don't know. That's why I say the Bible is honest. How many demons had they seen cast out? How many just blinded eyes? Just how many good works had they seen God do? And God said, the Bible says that Jesus did this of Philip to prove him. He goes straight to the money. Andrew says, you got to be kidding. This ain't near enough. What is this among so many? They responded in human terms. God is speaking spiritual, and they resorted right back to the natural. And am I throwing rocks? No. I'm saying the Bible's honest. Here is God's disciples. He's trying to teach a point, and they're just overwhelmed by the crowd. And I'm saying life does us this way. We're not feeding a multitude, but God is trying to teach us spiritual things, and we're just saying, you know, I just ain't got the money, and I can't do this. I don't have enough to go around. And God has said, you know, it really, <laughs> Kenneth, you're missing what I'm trying to do here. You've got your eyes on the natural, and I'm trying to do a spiritual point, and you're just missing it. And he's trying to tell them, look, you know, you, you're just missing it. So he tells them, he says, there's a, a, a lad here that's got five barley loaves. And l- literally, when you look up barley loaves in the Bible, that was the, the, the poorest class, and I hate to word it this way, but the poorest class of people, just forgive me for saying that, the poorest class of people, that's what they lived off of, was barley loaves. So this was the cheap, I'll just say it like that, the cheapest bread you could get. And the Bible says we've got five of them. And look, the Bible even says we've got two small fishes. Two little tiny fishes. And you want us to feed them? Okay, so Jesus tells them literally. You've got to take, and he tells them, and it's almost comical. Jesus said unto them, you can't do nothing till you get control of the men. Set them down. And I believe literally when he said that, and Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now, I believe there's a lot more to that scripture, and it could be just me if I'm reading something into it. You can just have at it. But when he said, make the men sit down, I'm not trying to be chauvinist here, but when you look at the Bible, the way it's written, and all the way back in Genesis, what God ordained man to be, men have a responsibility to their families and to their children. So I believe in this passage, when he said, make the men sit down, if you made the men sit down, the men control their families. The wives and the children would sit down. So I believe that's where it started. If if you think I'm wrong, I'm just wrong. But I believe he said, make the men sit down to have order. When you've got that many people, you've got to have some order and some structure. And God said, that's where we've got to start. Make the men sit down. So they did. They sat down. And number 11, Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, 
and likewise the fishes as much as they would. Now, he took, and it's, uh, it's really the truth, but the saying goes, everybody wants a miracle, but nobody wants to be broken. And truly, how many ministers have we heard that has said it in so many words as that? When you see somebody that's used, don't think they've skipped along. God has broke them. And before this miracle could take place, what God had had to be broken. And I just can't believe, I would be like the disciples. You've got to be kidding me. We can't feed them. Literally, we cannot feed them. And to put it in God's hands and to see it just multiply and multiply and multiply. And you want a miracle, but it has to be broken first. So God said, bring it to me. And I believe that is truly, truly the plan. I believe that is truly the plan the way God designed it. If we will give ourselves to God, allow ourselves to be broken, because God said, first you bring it to me, then let me give it to the disciples, let me give it to the church, and then let the church distribute it. That's the way I look at it. You don't have to if you don't want to. So he took, and it says to the disciples that they took the barley and the fish, and as much as they would. And then 12, that's not mine. And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Now, John is the only one that records this. It says, Gather up the fragments. The other, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, record that of the fragments. But they don't say that nothing be lost. John is the only one that records that. So now, he says, gather up the fragments that nothing be lost. Now, my point is this. To have something that was so unique, a common, and it's, I think you could go almost anywhere with this. We say, you know, I can't be used. I can't, nothing can happen with me. I'm just, I don't have... And God said, just bring me the barley loaves and the two tiny fishes. And let me take that. And God said, if you will give it to me, don't even leave the crumbs. That which you've put in my hand, that nothing would be lost. And my point is like, here is God telling them, you are literally in the presence of a miracle and you have the opportunity to walk away and leave part of your miracle laying right there. And John is the only, only disciple that records that, that nothing be lost. So here is the disciples right there. And I don't know if they get caught up or if they're overwhelmed. I'll allow them to be human. We are human. We understand pressures. We're just all affected in different ways. I don't know what it must have been like trying to distribute all this food, but I'm saying this was the reality of their life at this time. But God is telling them, part of their miracle is still there. Don't leave part of this miracle. 
The Bible says there was 12 baskets left. And it says to them that had eaten, but it says, let me, let me um, find above unto them in verse 13, unto them that had eaten, that unto them, them five words, that's one word in the Greek. It means eaten. It means everybody had not a nibble. The whole crowd, the thousands of people had ate all they wanted. Everybody had ate all they wanted. And then God said, when everyone was through, do not leave nothing. Don't leave part of this miracle there. Don't be satisfied with your flesh now that it's full. That the miracle you just seen in front of your eyes to be willing to go home with just your flesh. Take this miracle with you. And the disciples was willing. I don't know if they would have been willing to just leave. But God said that nothing would be lost. You've got to gather this. You've got to take it home. You can't get so overwhelmed by what's happening. And we do. I know I do. And he says you can't get that way. So they're doing this. They gather it up. Verse 14. Or excuse me, 13. Therefore they gathered themselves 12 baskets of fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Everybody had ate. This is done. It's over. They gathered up that nothing be lost. 14. Then those men had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said of a truth, that this is, um, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. I think they was referring to what Moses said in Deuteronomy when he's looking at the children of Israel, is God is going to send you a Messiah. In 18, in Deuteronomy, in the 18th chapter, God is going to send you a Messiah. So I think that the people said, you know what? Here's our chance. We got somebody that can feed us, we got somebody that can perform miracles, so let's take and let's make him a king. And I don't know what happened to his disciples, if anything, but read 15 with me. And when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into a mountain, and look at the last two words, himself alone. Now, when you read on that, he went back to the same mountain where he was sitting with his disciples before. And I said, time's precious with them. Before he was looking at them, he knew what he was going to tell Philip. He knew what he was going to do. And he was discussed. I don't know what they discussed, but I'm telling you, they just wasn't sitting around chewing the fat. It was life issues, spiritual, real, reality, life. It wasn't patting each other on the back, you know, you're great, it's so good. You know, it was dealing with raw life. Now, the thousands of people had been fed. I don't know what transpired with his disciples. Whatever happened Happen. I don't know if his disciples leaned into the crowd or was persuaded. All I know, Jesus says, this time I'm going in the mountain and I'm going alone. I really don't know what to do with that. I really don't. I think you could look at it two ways. I think Jesus loved his truth, loved his church enough and I'm not saying that I do know the answer. But what I'm saying, this I do know. Before he had his disciples, now he does it.
So whatever the reason was, I think it could be, we could look at it one of two ways. That if his disciples, just the stress or just life or whatever, how you would want to label it or look at it, God himself withdrew himself and he went and prayed for his church. And I think the second way you could look at it is there are times when you yourself is just going to, no matter what it looks like to our eyes, you're going to have to withdraw yourself. And you're going to have to have some time alone. Because I'm telling you, to the crowd, it just seemed like you're the man. But this was not the time to try to make him king. It just seemed like everything was right. Everything was here. Now's the time. Now's the time. Let's make him king. But it wasn't time. And we have a time issue. If you don't, I do. We want everything to be according to our time. And I don't know if that got under the disciples' skin and it was just looking at it like, you know what? We do need a king. I know you're victorious. I know you could defeat the enemy. Let's have a king. And God said, no. Now's not the time. I go back to what I said a while ago. I'm doing something. I did a natural, but there's a spiritual message mixed with it. And I believe his disciples, for whatever reason, I look at it like truly I believe God just separated himself, went back to the mountain, looked down and just said, I really need to pray for him. I really need to pray for him. He loved his disciples. He loved his church. And I, it's, it's a truth. We cannot get to the point where we just want to be, come in and have good church and satisfy this flesh. And God saying, let nothing be left, you know. You know, let nothing be lost, you know. Don't, don't leave, you know, with that hanging right there, you know. And truly, and just what I want to leave, leave with you is I guess we're all pretty much the same way. Everybody wants a miracle, but we don't like to be broken. But God's got his way of doing things. And if I can hold my feet right, God will do what he wants to do. I promise you. He'll lead and he'll guide us and direct us. Because I know he has his best interest for us. And his name is worthy. It's to be praised as it says in the Psalms. And as we have been told and as time goes, I'm telling you his name, his name and the Godhead is what separates us. It is truly what separates us. And we've got to hold to it more than we ever have. More than we ever have. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask our musicians if they would come. Hallelujah. Let's just stand if you would. As we was commanded in the psalmist, let's just do that. Let's just give him some praise if you would. Thank you, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.